Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing The Sopranos Season 5. Damask Leary, how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. It's very early here in Perth. Well, early for, for my standards. It's 9.30 in the morning. I'm on my second cup of coffee, just praying I don't shit myself in this episode. How are you, Brod? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good, thank you. Fabulous. Can't complain. Uh, Melbourne's typically turning to shit weather, as it always does this time of year. But there is mm. some good news out there. Have you seen the Knives Out 2 or the Knives Out sequel casting news that's been coming out? No, I mean, I, I've seen bits and pieces on Twitter, but I haven't been paying attention. So, it, feel free to let me know. It's been coming out a basically one, it feels like one actor is being announced a day. Uh, but obviously, Daniel Craig is returning uh, mm-hmm. from uh, you know into the sequel from the original. Edward Fabulous. Norton has been announced. Cool. Always like cool. him and stuff. Yep. Dave Bautista, oh. who I'm a big fan of, really into yep. that. Janelle Monae. And mm. just overnight, I woke up this morning to hear that Catherine Hahn has been cast as well. <gasps> so it's like, and like the original okay. had an all-star cast as well. But like, if this is just what every movie in this series is, just trying to one-up the previous ridiculous cast, um, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty into that. Yeah, very much. So. I mean, that sounds great. I was already definitely going to see Knives Out too because I, yeah. I fucking loved the first one. I had so much fun watching that film. Um, so I was definitely going to watch it, but I, I kind of like this Cluedo-esque of yeah. mishmash of celebrities that is obviously happening. I'm, yeah, I'm fully into it. It's just, it's funny in juxtaposition to what they're doing with the Agatha Christie stuff, like um, the Orient Express, Murder on the Orient Express, and there was another one coming out, I think it's meant to come out this year or I haven't watched was delayed from last year. That. But it's the one, oh, what's his name? Uh, the guy that played Gilderoy Lockhart and directed Thor. Uh, oh, married to Emma Thompson yes. at one point. What's it? Yeah. Kenneth Branagh. Branagh, 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 Branagh. He's playing Poirot in those, right? I haven't seen the. For the Murder on the Orient Express yet, but it didn't review mm. particularly well. But that's like full of an all-star cast. Like it's got yeah. like Daisy Ridley and all these sort of people in it. But I don't know if you can compete with Catherine Hahn and Dave Bautista and Janelle Monet. Like I also about the just don't well? think it's like casting. I think it's probably more I mean, I don't know about you, but Poirot feels like my mum and grandma's type of stuff like remember on abc television there was that poirot series and it just looked sure. so dorky for, for yeah, me agatha christie sure. feels a little dorky but i like an updated version of that which is kind of like your knives out which is making fun of the genre got a great sense of humor yeah yeah it's um, a postmodern take on those like classic whodunit yeah, stories yeah. yeah and i think those stories like 
are good, but I think they've been so dorkily done by, you know, the BBC for so long that they just feel a bit dated, even if perhaps they may not be. I, I think that's a, probably a controversial take. I'm sure there are lots of really big Agatha Christie fans out there who would disagree with you on and how dorky fine. those stories are. Um, but I, I'm I not agree. saying the stories themselves are dorky. Oh, I'm saying, saying the way that BBC has done them over sure. and over again for so long is dorky. They have been done multiple times over. It's a bit like... It's kind of like with Sherlock Holmes, though, right? It's like, mm. how many times can you retell and recapture that same character and those same stories? And my still answer keep to it? that is too many times. I think we it might has have been done, done it already. Too yeah, we many may, times. Yeah. We may have done it all at this point. Anyway, the limit this, does exist. In this this case. is not uh, a podcast about how can you <laughs> refurbish an old franchise <laughs> decades after its original popularity. Let's get to our spoiler-free review of The Sopranos season five. Let me clue you in. Season in review. Well, what do you know? The times, they are a-changing. Just when Tony and Carmela's marriage is going through a bit of a transition period, a number of prominent capital F family members have returned to New Jersey after a long stint in prison, including Tony's bestie from way back, cousin Tony Blundetto. Can Tony B, played by none other than sometimes Sopranos director Steve Buscemi, stay on the straight and narrow, or will he be just another pain in Tony A... Tony at one? Tony S's considerably large neck. The Sopranos season five consists of 13 episodes, each coming in at around 52 minutes and took us approximately 11 hours and 10 minutes to watch. So Damask Leary, could you please remind the listeners what you thought of the first four seasons of The Sopranos? Broad, it'd be a pleasure. Thank you for introing me that way. Um, so season one started. <laughs> okay. That's a weird energy this morning. I like this. Well, it's in the morning, I think might be the case. <laughs> um, so season one started and I was like, oh, okay, this show has so much potential. I can see why kind of it sparked the era of TV that we're in now. I'm into it. Can't wait to see where it goes. Season two happened. I was like, oh. Not loving it as much, but it's still quality TV. Season three happened. I was like, fuck this show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so bored. It's so misogynistic. I fucking hate all of the characters. Kill me now. Season four happened and my mood improved. I was like, well, it's not what I initially thought it was going to be in season one. I can kind of see what they're doing a little bit and I don't hate it. Also, this season feels less misogynistic or at least um, physically violent towards women. Mm-hmm. So that was a benefit. Um, yeah, so that season by season, that's what I thought. It was a real roller coaster of emotions. How about it's, you, Brad? It kind of feels like, yeah, I'm, I'm similar. Season one was the high for me, definitely. Season two, enjoyed it not as much. Season three the lowest point so far. Season four, it's starting to come back up. And I was hoping that like, is season five going to continue that upwards trajectory? So it's sort of been like Mm. a a dip and then a rise out of the valley again. It's sort of what Mm -hmm. I've been getting out of this and hoping that it continues into that trajectory. Uh, I'm not sure our opinion has been a popular opinion, though. I've been looking at like (laughs) other people's lists of the best seasons of The Sopranos and stuff, and we seem to be almost on the opposite spectrum to everybody else (laughs) that watches the show. But I think the thing for me has been... While I've enjoyed the performances to a large degree and some of the mm-hmm. writing and stuff like that, I've often found it really tedious. I found it's been sort of not going anywhere with any real mm-hmm. urgency. I've been waiting for payoffs to things or for follow through on certain storylines that haven't come. That's really frustrated me at times. It's had some really high highs here and there, but just some long patches where I'm like, what, 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 is, what, are, we, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Mm. Why are we still watching this show? And I found that really frustrating at times. I see in like, you know, quite a few reviews that I've read being like, you know, 
this show is doing something totally different and it's a and that is amazing. And what's different about it is like its lack of resolution. Mm. Um, and I mean, I sure, yes, I can see it's like, wow, this this feels really different. But I kind of like, um, I don't know, arcs in my yeah. stories. Like I call me like, I don't know, lame or whatever, but I like uh, to feel like I'm going on a journey that has purpose. Sure. When I'm investing, you know, 13 hours of my time every couple of weeks to a story. It's not what I'm getting, so it probably isn't my type of jam, this show. But that's Don't okay. It is worth saying that that is not how the show was originally intended to be seen. It was oh, absolutely an hour a week, every week for 13 weeks, come Which back next year Which is almost more shocking to me that people would continue to tune in. I do wonder if I if I would have engaged with the show differently, if I was just coming in week by week and sort of, oh, checking in with my favourite character. That's the problem, though. I think for me, the biggest problem is, I don't know if I would have enjoyed it more, because at least how I feel about now, I don't love that or don't enjoy that many characters enough to just check in on them every week and go, oh, I can't wait to see what Tony and the gang are up to. Like, I just don't care about them that much. I'm happy to watch a meandering plot if I have investment in the, if I care about people, Yeah. right? Like, I'm like, oh, well, I just want to see, like, what what they're doing this week. Um, but yeah, like you were saying, I don't have anyone that I like in any way. <laughs> With that in mind, Damas, could you please give us your review of Tony Soprano, that's Scamp and his fifth season? <laughs> Absolutely, Brad. I can do that for you. All right. So this round of Sopranos brings us another season of long, drawn-out malaise. You know, when is something going to go wrong? When is it all going to fall apart? And I guess after this long, I'm realizing or certainly have realized that it probably isn't going to all fall apart, but it's that dread that I have to live with, just like this mob family does. You know, I really do wish someone had sat me down at the beginning of this and told me Sopranos was a show where nothing happened. It just goes on and on. (laughs) And I could have (laughs) adjusted my expectations. But my expectations were just so off and I think that just goes hand in hand with, you know, this show kind of overshadows all shows. You know, like it's so often spoken about in such high regard. It's impossible for people like us coming in later not to feel that presence. Um, So I just wish someone had told me. Um, I still have to confess that this isn't a show that I would continue to watch if I didn't have to. It's focus on characters that are entirely made of glass. You know, it's just such fragile masculinity that holds them all together that uh, the smallest comment causes them all to shatter into a million pieces and tear to shreds everyone in the vicinity. I'm finding it still very hard to watch. Sure. You know, watching time and time and time again, those pieces of of glass cut through the flesh of every character we see can be exhausting. However, there were only maybe three, maybe four episodes this season that made me want to throw my hands in the air and say, fuck it. (laughs) Um, Is that an upgrade on other seasons? I mean, yeah, particularly, I think, what was it, season three that I was just like, no. Um, I still hate Tony and I kind of wish this show was about, I don't know, like, what's his name, Sil, Sal? The cool looking guy. Yeah. Yeah, because he just, you know... 
He dresses like a cartoon and pops in to either make me laugh or give our main characters some sage advice. Like there he is a red suit he wears this season. I was just like, holy shit, Sylvia. Was it at just the funeral? A- like he just no. looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was no, it wasn't at the funeral. He would never wear red to a funeral. There's just it was a scene at uh, I think it was the crazy horse one point. And that's that's oh, okay. already got like those dark red sort of velvety walls in that office and stuff. And he's wearing this similarly red velvety suit. So I was like, fucking Silv looks sharp. Like, I really <laughs> like Silv. Anyway. Like, I just really like him and I like him whenever he's walking in. But that's because we see so little of him that he isn't an in-your-face piece of shit. He tends to have a cooler head than most people as yes. well. He's like, it's why he's Tony's most trusted advisor. It's why he can also, one thing that I did appreciate from last season, there was a, there was an episode where um, he was doing some stuff that was a little bit dodgy that was maybe he should have informed Tony of. And Tony mm. kind of let him get away with it because otherwise Sylv is really dependable. And it's yeah. not worth sort of having a big scene about it with him. Um, anyway, yeah, I agree. A Sylv show would be really good. <laughs> Anyway, we make a few steps forward this season, but I feel silly even describing this season's plot that way because as this show has taught us, it's not really going anywhere. It just exists. Um, and is that the kind of show I enjoy? I mean, not really, as I said earlier, um, particularly when I find its characters so joyless. So that kind of speaks to what we were saying before. Like these aren't people that I really want to check in on. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I enjoyed watching Steve Buscemi do his thing. Andrea De Matteo is undeniably watchable. She plays Adriana. Yeah. Um, every scene she was in, I wanted more. And her storyline from this season is probably the – well, not probably, definitely the most affecting. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that storyline is the saving grace in a lot of ways. And I think the stakes in the final two episodes have me leaving this season feeling some somewhat satisfied which certainly hasn't been the case for a couple of these seasons. Now, there is a certain, as we were talking about, there's an ebb and flow to my energy every time I binge a season of Sopranos. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, I am angry that I have to watch it. Then I get into the groove and don't mind so much. Then I get angry again that everything is taking so long and I have to waste (laughs) so much time on characters that are seemingly inconsequential or purposefully intolerable. And it, the end I'm like okay I can see why other people would like this um and that's my rhythm with this show I I could never love it but I guess I'm sort of learning to understand why people certainly those who watched it when it was airing would revere it so much Mm -hmm. um this season was good um it was I mean it's doing what Sopranos wants to do it's not my jam as I've said many many times before um I just kind of wish it was eight episodes yeah. Yeah. You could there's so you- every season I feel like since season one, there's been a series of three to five episodes right in the middle of the season. I wish that just didn't exist. Yes. Like where it's like what what why has this happened every season? <laughs> I'm left in this hole of just like okay, we've slowed right down, nothing's happening anymore. Why are we here? Why? Yeah. Does this keep happening? Mm. However, yeah. interestingly, <laughs> So I, I went, I've gone, I was into this season about halfway through towards the end. I went, I was like, I wonder what people think about this season before I sort of got to my thoughts on it. And on every list I could find, it was either at the bottom of the list as the worst season or second bottom. This season? Right? This season. Huh. On every list I could find. That's bizarre to me. Okay. Which I find crazy. Yeah. Because to me, this is the best season we've had since season one. Now. Yeah. 
you might people I can see us after the conversation we had last time maybe season four was better than this one for certain mm. reasons but for me there were a lot of things going on this season of like I've been looking for for the Sopranos for a while now mm-hmm. um, first of all all the things that have always been great about the show remain great James Gandolfini still fantastic obviously anytime there's a Tony and Melfi scene I'm in and there are some absolute crackers this season as well. Some Mm. really, really, really good scenes where Tony's in therapy, which I always loved. But one of the things we talked about last season, season four, was a lack of follow-through this show can have sometimes. Mm. Storylines that are set up and they're not followed through in any meaningful way. They get to the end of a season, they promise that a character is going to do something or is after this certain thing and then don't necessarily follow through with it. Mm. This season did that for me. Last season in particular ended with a, a storyline element that I don't want to say because of spoilers between Tony and Carmella. And mm. I wondered when we were talking about our um, what happens next uh, in next season, like looking forward to season five, if they mm. would actually follow through on that promise. And they did. And yeah. I really, really appreciate that because for the most part, I found that storyline quite compelling. Putting those two characters in the scenario that they did meant we were getting new layers and new perspectives on these characters and new conflicts and new ways of sort of dealing with their ongoing relationship. Mm. And I really, really appreciate that. They followed through on some of the stuff that was happening with Johnny Sachs and the New York family that was set up last season. Our seeds that were planted came to fruition this season. And while it wasn't always the most compelling and often in the background of what was happening, I still appreciate that at least they were moving somewhere with that and it wasn't a completely dropped element of the show. Most importantly, or most impressively, I think, was probably just... The Adriana storyline, which has sort of been slowly building in the background, her as an, this is a minor spoiler, her ongoing interactions with the FBI Mm. have been building and building and building. And this season really came to a head in ways that I super appreciate. As you said, Adriana's storyline this season is probably the strongest element of the show. Mm. And we'll talk about that why in spoilers. But I definitely felt that worked particularly well. There was also the new complication this season that's a bit of a breath of fresh air. One of the things I've talked about in past seasons is that the antagonists or complicating characters that come into the seasons have been quite samey. Whether it was Richie or Ralphie, they were kind of cut from the same cloth of just being Mm -hmm. people who were violent that Tony had to deal with to some degree. um, That were complicated because they were earners or they had a family connection, but... Um, that made his job as the boss a bit difficult. This season, we get someone a bit different in Tony B, who is an antagonist to some degree, but not in the traditional way that they've done it in the past with Sopranos. And for that, I appreciate that. And while there are elements of Tony B's character that I wish were far better fleshed out, mm. I think in terms of what it did for Tony's storyline this season, I really, really, really appreciate what it was doing and what it was doing there. And just Steve Buscemi is just... He's great in his performance on this. Again, I think mm-hmm. the character could have done with a bit more work. Probably could have been introduced a season or two earlier to some degree to really have been as effective as they wanted it to be. But I still appreciate his performance. They also really doubled down on Tony, I think, this season and taking taking him to some places I wish they'd taken him for ages. And again, I don't want to do spoilers, but sometimes with Tony, there's a lot of talking about what makes him who he is. But I didn't always feel like he was uh, interacting with those revelations as they came up in his therapy. Mm. And this season, Mm -hmm. I thought we got to see Tony, for lack of a better word, trying for the first time. Now, I don't want to spoil whether he succeeds or not. That's a different (laughs) different element. Mm. But 
I thought we got to see, I, I don't know, I've, I've never felt Tony has been more human or somewhat sympathetic or relatable as he was this season. And maybe Tony Soprano isn't meant to be the most relatable person. He's a larger than life character, definitely, but he is still a human being. And I think there were moments this season that made him feel more human than I felt a long time. I also just sort of thought the conflict and the drama between our main characters, particularly Tony and his crew, were as good as they've ever been. Little conversations with Sylv, his most trusted advisor, I thought were subtle but direct and meaningful. Same with some of the ones he had with Paulie, who didn't feature as heavily this season as he has in other seasons, but I think Mm. he was used to greater effect because of that. They didn't focus on him too much. They just gave him the moments that he needed, and I felt like they used him as a better like ingredient in the recipe of what makes Soprano season work. Yeah. There was also just payoffs this season that, again, don't want to talk spoilers about whether they're good things or bad things, but there were consequences and that yes. is always means mm-hmm. something. And it feels like the show, like this season to me, what, what impressed me the most is it does feel like that maybe we're starting to round the corner into the final straight. And we need to be because there is only one season split into two parts, but there's mm. only one season of this show to go. And if it's going to reach a conclusion, then it needs to be doing that. And I was satisfied as the season rolled on, as particularly got to the end of it, that yes, that's where we were headed. So... So, I don't know. There was a lot to be positive about there. Cons, there is a pattern, as we said this before I even started saying my review. The season starts off strong and then dips in the middle. <laughs> it was to a slightly lesser extent. It was only for about three episodes. Mm. But my three, the three episodes that I consider as my least favorite episode when we get to the end of this episode, this podcast today, were all in a row. <laughs> three episodes in a row where I was like, any three of these are my least favorite I episodes. Have, and it's always in the, the middle. I did the exact same thing. And I was like, Brod's going to hate me, but I've got like... Three least favorite and then three favorites. Sure, like, sure. Because there's always elements that I don't like or do like in a lot of these episodes. But yeah, that three of like, fuck off, you're wasting my time. Yeah. And the three of like, oh, this is actually bringing me some kind of satisfaction as a viewer for my favorite. Um, Yeah, so I'm glad you did that as well. So I'm not going to get in trouble. Well, I'm going to try and narrow it down to one, but I think it was just worth talking about oh, that. Yes, there was... Okay, fair enough. But there <laughs> but there was this just solid block of three, dead set in the middle of the season. And it's a weird mm. pattern for this show to have where it just sort of meanders in the middle there. Uh, overall, though, I really thought this is one of the better constructed seasons of The Surprise that I can remember in terms of a start, middle, end. Where we start, mm. where what the journey we go through and how it concludes. It was as good a season as I can remember in that sense. And it also includes this season what might be what I think is the best episode of the series so far. Mm. which I look forward to talking about when we get to spoilers. Mm-hmm. As I said earlier, in this in the end, this season feels like a turning point, a pivotal moment in the story. And for that, I have to give it a thumbs up. Uh, and I kind of, for the first time in a while, look forward to the final season. I think, I think maybe I'm going to end up at least somewhat satisfied with this show by the time we get to the end. Mm-hmm. But who knows? There's plenty of room <laughs> for things to go wrong. What's yeah, I'm hope, final- I just hope you're not setting yourself up for heartbreak, bro. I really worry about I'm not you. <laughs> getting. I'm not getting too invested. I did want to celebrate that I enjoyed this season more than others. Yes. But I'm yes. still not in love with this show. I agree yeah. with you on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting the show every time we do this is possibly one of the hardest things. Like to literally always, start watching episode one. We always give ourselves like two weeks to do it. Be like, oh, that way we can space it out. And then I always just put it off until like the day before. And I was like, all right, here we go. I just have to do it. <laughs> Which is not a great way to do it. But No, know. it's not. What's your final score out of five for this season, Damascus? Well, last season, season four, which I 
quite enjoyed it. It was the first season since season one that I was like, oh, okay, yep. Um, I, I think I can do this. Um, I gave that season four four stars. Um, so I think I'm going to give this season a four as well because I like them both for different reasons, but I mm-hmm. think pretty relatively equally, I think. Yeah, so they both get four from me. Sure. I just I, I love that part of your review though. I think I can do this. I think <laughs> I, can, I can probably endure just a little bit more of this. Um, I am also going to give this season a four out of five. That puts it equal score with season one. I don't know which mm-hmm. like I prefer more. It's been a while since I've watched season one. I think I think season one's a tighter season overall. I think because mm-hmm. it's an introduction to these characters in the show when you're meeting Tony for the first time, it, it probably holds up a little stronger because it doesn't rely on anything before it a bit more. Mm-hmm. But um, I did appreciate this was this season is retroactively make, maybe even making some of the middle seasons a tiny bit better because it's paying off on things that have been building up for way too long. Mm-hmm. Way, way too long. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at UH1.com. That's UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the show to please review us on Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars and maybe a couple of nice words away. And to sweeten the deal, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we will finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. I was listening to the album of um, Once More With Feeling the other day. I don't know why. Mm. I just got... Um, one of those songs stuck in my head, so I listened to the entire thing. Yeah, I'd really like to get to reviewing that show one day because it's <laughs> it has some genius moments. Like that episode is yeah, ooh, still one of the all time greats. I was just about to say, I'm like, oh, maybe we should just do it, and then it, that kind of removes the <laughs> motivation for people to write us uh, reviews. So yeah. I won't say that. <laughs> so what I'm saying is. I've got some good things to say about Buffy. Please review us. (laughs) We would also love you to share hunting seasons with friends and family who you think might also enjoy listening. Next week, we'll be back with our review of Invincible Season 1. If you'd like to contribute to our discussion of Invincible or if you have any thoughts on The Sopranos, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at huntingscast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for The Sopranos Season 5. You're now entering the spoiler zone. Spoiler warning. From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 to 5 of The Sopranos. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of The Sopranos up to this point. If you've not yet done so... 
proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Where should we start, Damask? Um, well, let's talk about the thing that you were happy that they followed through with from the previous season, which is Tony and Carmella. So tell yes. me about your thoughts on that. Generally, I was really, really happy with with separating, with actually following through with separating Tony and Carmella. And like by the end of the season, they're getting back together. And I'm fine with that because it took an entire season to get there. We got to explore mm-hmm. a lot of different ideas about what it means for those two to separate, mm-hmm. what makes it difficult for those two to separate, mm-hmm. what it's like when they're on their own without each other for support, Tony living on his own or living with Archie. Is it Ar- <laughs> Artie? Sorry, Artie mm-hmm. of all people. Which I wish they actually did a little bit more with, because I was like, that's a show in of itself. <laughs> so, Tony Soprano and Artie living in a house together. That's an odd couple I'd like to see more of. Um, him trying to, like, he, yeah, we see a little bit of him with one of his, is it Gumars? Is that what you call his? Yeah. Uh, uh, Gumar. Uh, Gumar. But also him pursuing Dr. Melfi at the start of the season, which was like, I'm really glad they just spent one or two episodes on that, because it's kind of like the elephant in the room that, is worth addressing because it's fun, if nothing else. I find it so repulsive now. It like is my, disgusting. My hatred that's of what... Tony is so severe that, like, he just grosses me the fuck out. Sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's why I wanted to see it addressed because let's go there for a second. Let's have mm. that frank conversation. Let's not beat around the bush anymore. Let's. Mm. He's He's opened up his situation a little bit. So there's mm-hmm. a room to explore that. I'm glad they did. Meanwhile, Carmella is off. Um, dating other men. Uh, mm-hmm. we like A big focus of Carmella is the fact that she's only ever been with Tony. They've been together since they were in high school and she's never really dated other men at all, let alone slept with another man. Mm. That's a fascinating side to her character. Watching them sort of come back together, The watching Tony have to really work, hopefully, to change his behaviour so he can get back into that house, maybe. But He's like not having going to. to. Confront, well, probably not, but but he had to really confront his own behaviour and why. And, like, we look at the, the dream episode, the test dream, and a big portion of that is him coming to the realisation that if he's going to get back into that house, he, he's not going to be able to have his horses, whores in the house anymore. Mm. It's not not a subtle no. uh, metaphor. He'll still in have that. his horse, though, just not in the house, and that's what he <laughs> promises her as well. He's like, "I promise you that um, this is not in the dream." Yeah, uh, you know, I promise you that my indiscretions or whatever won't impact your life. So he's still very much going to have them. Yeah. I think he might just try and be a little smarter about perhaps who he chooses um, and how he yeah works that arrangement. Perhaps, but I don't know. I found that a season-long exploration of that mm. was worth our time. I'm glad it wasn't because I was really, really worried because in past seasons they've kind of done this. Is like, could have easily done one episode and then Tony was back in the house. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. and that would have that would have sucked. <laughs> and I'm just happy that they followed through with that. I don't know. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I found I loved seeing Carmella out on her own. Mm-hmm. And seeing that side of Camilla, I also I was really excited by the prospect of um, obviously AJ's being a little prick, mm-hmm. um, and she just kicks him out. She's like, I I can't actually do this. I can't. I'm compromising my own parenting to try and kind of balance this situation. It's clearly not working. Mm-hmm. Um, so just go live with your with your dad. 
I was kind of hoping that that would open AJ's eyes a little bit as to who his dad is. Mm. But I guess he kind of already knows a little bit about um, how his dad ticks. And so there was no real change in that relationship dynamic between AJ and I think the Tony. kids are so, It's a weird thing where often when they've tried to focus on the kids, either Meadow or AJ, I'm left going, I wish they wouldn't because this is doing nothing. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm left going, there was an opportunity here to do something a little bit more interesting with the kids and you didn't do it. And yeah. I do feel that way about AJ in this season in particular. Yeah. Like we get to that event planning thing that happens at the end of the season. In one of the biggest whiffs of a scene I've ever had in The Sopranos, I feel, where like they're having their, their – it felt almost like something from like a Everybody Loves Raymond episode or something like that where Carmela and Tony are talking about what it means that he's into event planning. Like I guess mm. he's passionate about something and like does this mean he's gay or whatever. And like the tone of that scene and it like that's weird. how – and that's how you're going to put a button on the AJ, a whole season of AJ sucking or, or not being able to knuckle down and do his study and struggle to get him into a good college. And mm. that's the button is that scene. I was like, that's not anything. I felt that was really, really kind of average. And even for this show, which I struggle with sometimes, not worthy of this show. It was really strange. Yeah, I, I agree. Like even the performances within that scene. Yes, yes. Was, was It felt really weird. And I, don't, I wasn't exactly sure why they yeah. were doing what they were doing in that scene. No, I, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, so I was happy to see Carmella do that. I was just – and I know it's the point of the scenes, I think, is when whenever Tony comes around and throws his weight around, it's just the most frustrating thing to witness. Yep. Him constantly throwing – um, the what's his name Furio, the Italian yes, guy, yes. in Carmela's face. Like the audacity of that after years of actually fucking other women, yeah. probably thousands of other women. Him continuously doing that, withholding like money so that she can really live in the house. Like the saddest all- thing is is what happens with the lawyers. In that there are times where you're like, Carmella is going to be able to finally, like, she's she's got the motivation, she's had mm. enough of Tony, she's going to get the ball rolling on the separation, the divorce, mm. and actually make it happen. And then every time she goes to make that move, Tony is, because he's he deals with this stuff already and he's got mm. lawyers who understand how to make this work to his advantage, has already gotten there and poisoned that well. Mm-hmm. And so when we get to the end of this season, it's like we could have organically gotten to a place where maybe Carmella does take Tony back because she does believe that he can change or she realizes that maybe this is what actually what she wants. She's just got to get some behavioral changes out of him. But really just feels like she she's out of options. Well, <laughs> she's just yeah, trapped. She is. She she's absolutely trapped. And um what I do enjoy, even though she is trapped, so that choice is pretty much removed from her. Yeah. Um, is that she does bargain a little bit and she's like, yeah. okay, well, if I am going to have to sit in this fucking gilded cage for the rest of my goddamn life, at least I, I need something to do yeah. or you're off doing whatever the fuck you're doing. I need something else to focus on. Otherwise, I will lose my goddamn mind. So I'm glad that she has that kind of resolution. Finally, we have that her reading that real estate book at the end of, what, season three or something. Uh, well, comes uh, it's, still, it's still not payoff for that. It really isn't. It's just <laughs> another version of that that maybe they'll pay off this time. Like, 
They never, ever, ever, ever actually followed through with that idea. It gives yeah. me the utter shits that that just got <laughs> dropped. But I agree. I'm glad yeah. she does have something yeah. else. Yes. I can't wait. I just feel like Tony's going to bury a body in like the cement foundation of that house or something <laughs> fucked up. Like, I just feel like, yeah, Car- Carmela's going to, um, yeah, who knows. But I'm, I'm glad there's some kind of, I don't feel so defeated by Carmela's story when I very easily could have because of mm-hmm. the circumstances that led to her going back to Tony. Um, I The, the storyline of Carmela and the uh, college advisor guy yeah. In the beginning, I was like, "Okay, this is this is interesting." Uh, it wasn't didn't end the way that I thought it would. I thought perhaps Carmela might become disinterested in dating someone who doesn't or won't throw their weight around, or there's a a hint of weakness that she just isn't attracted to. That's not what we got. We got, I guess, him judging her for being a soprano. Um, which I don't think is entirely invalid because she... Sure. I think it is in her nature, but she also has a bit of a victim complex to be like, you know, Tony. Tony's life is not my... Tony's decisions are not my fault, even though she's absolutely enabled his decisions and benefited from them throughout. Um, I wish they'd had a slightly different resolution. Um, in but terms I, of I, to that specific Yeah, that relationship. Line. Um, it just kind of, yeah, meandered into nothingness, I suppose. But she does have that moment of empowerment when she says she's getting back with Tony that I'm not, yeah, I'm not slightly confused by that a little bit. Followed by one of the worst trans- scene transitions I've ever oh, seen in television. That was like my, one, like, I think I've got two side notes. That was one of them. I watched it and I think I was lying down at the couch at that point and I sat up. I was like, did my... <laughs> like stream like did it freeze weirdly yes. but then i saw the wipe and i was like well no yes. then there's a wipe so i re- rewound it and i watched it again i was like what it- what is that what is that because it's like <laughs> slow-mo and then pause and then a wipe it is so weird what so is that went- about i did exactly what you did there yeah. and then i went to youtube and i typed in the sopranos weird transition to see if other people had thought, thought the same thing <laughs> and it's like first result i'm like okay good this is a known quantity <laughs> what the fuck was that <laughs> Does, are there any answers? None. None. The only answer I've got is that apparently David Chase is either heavily involved or exclusively does the editing to this show. And maybe maybe he shouldn't. <laughs> Have you just been watching a lot of Star Wars that day or something? He's like, you know, know. what? I'm going to put one of those in. The, 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 the wipe shot, it's a very Star Warsy thing. The slow, the, like the frame rate slowing down to the freeze baffled me as though it was like a really big moment like a winning moment for Carmela like it felt like almost she needed to be fist pumping the freeze in the air yeah Yeah, it was like the end of the (laughs) breakfast club it was bizarre (laughs) I kind of wonder if it was maybe just one of those things that slipped through the edit that it's there now like it aired it's just it was just uh, a fuck up in the editing software whatever Mm. they were using at the time because it would have been filmed on film then digitized then edited and then, obviously, software was not as sophisticated in the early 2000s. Maybe it's just one of those weird things that just slipped through and no one really noticed it and let's just pretend it's not there. It's just- Yeah, Chase was just playing with the iMovie yes. transitions and forgot yes. about it. Yeah, got it. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I agree. That storyline, 
That storyline, I think why I appreciate that storyline was just, we've been teased with the idea of Carmella like being with other men for multiple seasons and to finally let her actually explore that side of her and then like mm. talking with other women about this sort of stuff. Yeah. And like, it just opened up Carmella to have experiences she hasn't been able to have other seasons yeah. and to have storylines and to explore herself in that way. And like that coming back to Tony, ultimately at the end of the season, isn't necessarily an uplifting place for things to be, but I think the trajectory overall made sense. Yes, it's yes. a tragic one. There is... I can see that on some level she probably feels more safe and secure this way and mm. that's why she's going back there and there might be some part of her that's happier because of that. You wish she could find a way to escape him, but I don't know. I was satisfied by how well this whole thing was explored for her and ultimately for him as well. Like mm. him being on his own was obviously a massive struggle. He he misses Carmela in a big, big way and he had to be separated from her to realise how much that was true. Mm. He also had weird moments like pursuing Melfi, which maybe you didn't... It was gross, sure, but I'm sort of glad we went there because there's Melfi has a complicated feelings about him too. Mm. Um, and I appreciated going there for a second. And the letter he sends to her, which was hilarious with all its <laughs> yes. terrible spelling mistakes. So good, yeah. And then even the stuff with Adriana was interesting. It, mm. it was super gross. Yeah. Um, but then that leads to that fantastic scene and one of multiple really good scenes I thought in Melfi's office where Melfi talks about like growth and like it is minuscule yeah. growth but the You're idea that maybe Tony respect which I liked yeah yeah but the idea that Tony maybe has some capacity to change mm-hmm. yeah that it's not impossible for him to learn from his mistakes sometimes mm. which happens a few times this season it happens when he's dealing with uh, that guy who, the Feech, I think it is, one of the other guys that came out of prison this year. Yeah. And he kept doing things on the side that were fucking with the business. And he says at one point, have I learned nothing from Richie, the Richie April situation? And you're like, oh shit, Tony is not going to let this guy keep fucking up for too long. He's going to deal with it. He's going to yeah. take him out. But then comes up with a far more interesting solution, which is just getting his parole officers to catch him with doing the thing he shouldn't and sending him back to prison. And mm-hmm. he eliminates that problem in a way that's not violent. Yes. And it was like, wow, Tony is actually getting better at his yeah, job. Yeah, he, he was season. actually de-escalating the situation, <laughs> yes. which is very yes. rare for him. But yeah, yeah, like you were saying, I really in- enjoyed that Adriana storyline with obviously Tony is sexually attracted mm-hmm. to her. Um, and obviously that is complicated by personal relationships and the dynamic just within the community of how that would all play out, which he's Absolutely. thinking thinking about. And, yeah, like I said, I really loved that conversation between him and Melfi and he he likes that Adriana respects him and looks up to him and obviously Melfi being like, well, you have to prove that you are – wouldn't it be nice to feel like you are worthy of that respect – but then I also love that he does, you know, one good thing <laughs> his entire life and he doesn't naturally reap the rewards of that because of a lifetime of being an absolute shithead. So we still got the fallout. Him. Yeah, that was. Yeah. I also agree with that. It's like he didn't do the thing, so he's learnt, but mm. we still got to, in an ep- a good episode of The Sopranos, get to have some incredible conflict between mm. Christopher and Tony and Adriana yeah. And that whole situation, because of that 
fallout of what is suspected to have happened. And yeah. I like the way that was resolved as well. Mm-hmm. Like getting the doctor in and like talking about and the bit where Tony B is like, well, hold on a second, if he was wearing a seatbelt, wouldn't he have bruising across his sternum and across his clavic across a clavicle or whatever? And it's like, actually you're right. And that's I don't know. There was something about the intelligence of that solution as well, but mm. we still got to appreciate and live in the drama of that for a bit. Yeah. Was uh, yeah, it, there's some really good episodes this season. That was a really good. That was a, a high point for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for no, I, I totally agree. It's just another example of Tony. Yeah, he wants to escalate it, but he's surrounding himself now with people mm-hmm. who give good advice. Mm-hmm. He has the capacity to listen more than before. Well, that's with Melfi. That's obviously with Tony B. Um, obviously, towards the end of the season, we have Syl. Um, so I while I loved he, that scene, yeah, me too. I really enjoyed that. It was it was very good. Just really well written, perf- really well performed, subtle. Sylv doesn't talk up like that unless he really thinks he has to. Yeah, and Tony was willing to listen and not blow his head about it for a mm-hmm. second. This is where I talk about like I found Tony to be just that little bit more human, and I like obviously the guy's still a piece of shit, and you don't. Yeah admire or like him but it's nice to feel like maybe there's some capacity for Tony to get better mm-hmm. and like one of the other things that happened this season was Tony there was a, a, a real really well explored sense of loneliness around Tony being the top dog like yeah. that realisation that his friends the people he surrounds himself with that he considers friends are all yes men who are going to laugh at his shitty jokes yeah, even when they're really really bad <laughs> and and what that means, and like even talking with Johnny Sachs about how hard it is to be at the top and having to make those tough decisions about what to do with Tony B. Mm. So, because so Tony B was a really interesting character this season because on one level, I really like Steve Buscemi. Mm-hmm. On when they introduced Tony B as this ex con part of the family who just wants to go straight, I was really on his side. Mm. And then in one episode, they undo it and I didn't think they did it. It was as rough as sandpaper, that transition away from that storyline. But in terms of what the overall effect of him getting back into that and working on it for himself and working as a hitman for the New York crew and then, or for one element of the New York crew, because they were obviously having their power conflict at the time. And then what that meant for Tony and the family back in New Jersey that effect on Tony's storyline was very, very good. I just mm-hmm. wish Tony B had been there for a season or two earlier. So yeah. I felt like it, because it felt like he just sort of came in and go, Tony B, you're the closest person. You're like my best friend from when, when we were kids, you know, mm. growing up together. And I'm going to have to make this hard decision by the end of the season. It would have been nice if I knew him a little bit earlier. But overall, I thought the the that as a different sort of antagonist, which is really pulling on Tony's... Uh, affections was really, really good. I don't know if you agreed with that. It was a little bit sloppy how I said it too, sorry. No, no, no. I um I totally agree with that. I was just thinking, you know, in terms of placing Tony in a place of isolation this season was very good. Like you think of, you know, someone he would come for advice when things really hit the fan would be Junior, who sure. you know, is suffering from these strokes that are affecting his memory. Um, <clears throat> sorry, um, that was really good. And if you, yeah, you place that besides this new factor coming in, mm-hmm. this reminder of a probably perhaps the biggest regret of Tony's life, this huge secret 
Um, I think it's just indicative of how isolated he is now because he places himself as this big, strong guy who cannot be questioned on anything. Mm -hmm. And so admitting something like that of like this huge symbol of vulnerability, you, you realize that, well, he can't tell anyone. He can tell Melfi a part of this or a part of that. But he, he doesn't have anyone that he can tell his whole story to. And that's really isolating for someone like Tony. And it affects his decisions. And it, hel- it, it does his, help. It affects his health. That's yes. the biggest. Like, like, it is one of the pivotal, pivotal like, origin story moments of Tony's life. It's a piece of the puzzle we've been missing for a long yes. time. And I was we so got- happy to have it. Yeah. Me too. It mm. was... And that, again, it was one of the be- best Melfi scenes we've ever had is when he finally comes clean. He's having his own panic attack, uh, panic attack in her office for the first time, I think. And from that, we finally get to him explaining the guilt he has for this carjacking thing and then how it all tied back to when he was having a panic, a- panic attacks when he was younger because of his relationship with his mother. Like, it was... Mm. So fulfilling a scene. <laughs> and then like yeah. lines like, I'm just a robot of my own pussy-ass weakness. Like the frustration <laughs> he has with himself yeah. the, because of this weakness he doesn't understand or ca- and can't control. Then Melfi suggesting maybe if you came clean with him <laughs> and him just saying, yeah, well, yeah. And like knowing that's the thing he has to do, but obviously that would be the hardest thing in the world, mm-hmm. but also something he does ultimately. And was a satisfying moment in the story of Tony Soprano and particularly this season. Like there was some really strong stuff here that was so character focused Mm. and I really appreciate this season. I just, I really, really, really did. Yeah, no, I agree. There are, but yeah, all of that stuff is really, really good. Mm -hmm. This show still, despite its, you know, 12, 13 hour runtime, still does like some really shitty character work sure um one thing that had potential to be really good and inform so much of tony was the janice stuff this season sure yeah which i like the um the outline of this mm-hmm. so janice someone who is very quick tempered has a problem with authority is so proud that it affects her her perspective entirely. Um, she is a, a more chaotic version of Tony, um, a shadow of him, a reflection of him. And also a, a reflection of her mother as well. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and what that environment can create. And so I, I like the idea of Janice in this marriage now and she seems – relatively happy to be there. She's still Janice, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but she got what she wanted and this part of her personality is making her lose her family, which is something that Tony has always, always been afraid of. We, we see that in season one, the symbolism of the ducks and all that stuff. You know, you're worried about losing your family. So we see that happening to Janice she goes to therapy and she starts to make changes and she sees positive results because of it. But Tony comes in and takes that or destroys that for her because he doesn't want to he doesn't want to see anyone else do the work. Yeah, it's essentially and reap the jealousy. It's spitefulness. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. If that had happened over like three to five episodes of like, you see Janice blow up. Um, I can't remember. How, Bobby is like, I'm going to leave, blah, blah, blah. She goes to therapy. And at the beginning, you'd be like, I don't believe Janice has really made changes. Because that's how I was feeling throughout that one episode we get of this story. I'm like, well, has she really changed? It's only just happened. And then slowly as an audience, you would be like, oh, okay. After a couple of episodes, she really does seem to have changed somewhat and is now reaping the benefits. And then we get to that point where Tony takes it away from her. Like, I just, I wanted more of that because I could, it was good storytelling. It was just so rushed and so simplified that it bothered me a little bit. I I agree with you and I sort of don't in the sense that I haven't loved Janice as a character for a while. (laughs) I I find it so irritating. But the but that's the problem with the show though, is that they make characters like that a joke. Yeah. And I, I just don't think they had to be. I think they could have been far more interesting. I agree. In terms of the Janice that we've got. Mm. I was happy to have a lot less of her this season. And when we had her, I thought she was better used. So, mm-hmm. yes, this storyline could have taken place over multiple multiple episodes. For me, economy with Janice is a good thing. <laughs> and mm. so doing it all, because it was sort of, it was I set feel up. I like a scene, an episode. Do you know what I mean? Like They're kind of like. So the, there's a the, passage of time there. The Her getting to the anger management class and all making those changes quickly did all happen in one season. But as you one said- One episode. One episode, sorry. One episode. But we've been building up to this version of Janice for a long time. I've had way too much of her, if you ask me. Um, and then this season, they were using her pretty well, I thought, with Bobby. Um, to, like, sprinkle in bits of that here and there. Enough with it, you know, what the kids think of her and what Bobby thinks of her and the frustration there. And, like- there, were, there was just sprinklings of it, enough mm. to get me to the point where when she was going to make a change or she had a blow-up moment when she was at the soccer game and then she decides to make a change was plenty. Yes, the change happened too quickly, but that was as much time as I want to focus on Janice personally. And so I appreciate it for what it was. Mm. Could That's it have been more? Just like, sure, I don't want a so Janice There's so many show, characters like this, particularly women, um, who are just kind of shove the stories are shoved to the side when I can see there's potential to mine here. Like I think about Meadow and yes. Meadow always gets one episode. So she, Meadow's episode, episode <laughs> is about her, her boyfriend yeah. and they spend the entire episode making her boyfriend so empathetic just to have her whine at him for a scene that goes for way too fucking long. Yeah. It's in one tone that I had to turn down my television because it was the most annoying sound I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And that's where I don't know what the show is trying to say about Meadow anymore. Like, yeah, no idea. It's If you want to make a comment about like someone that age trying to deal with transitioning to an adult relationship or how dramatic... You know, those scenarios can be when it's your first real relationship like that. Like, there is something mm. there, but mm. I didn't spend any time with Meadow. So, we just get this shrill reaction to it that is really, really... The character is undeserving of that, I think. But then yeah, also, like, the show let's is Let's see how irrational a- and annoying she is to this poor guy who's going through so much. It's like, what the... I don't know this, but why the fuck is this the purpose of the episode? There is an angle there, I think, that Meadow could not see... Or be in denial about the reality of her father and the 
people that she spent her entire life with, that there is this undercurrent, or not undercurrent, there is violence under the surface that she's just never seen or is or has explicitly tried to ignore, but they don't which, give her the time which I to understand. explore any of that. Yeah, yeah it's exactly, just so yeah. one-dimensional that I'm like, yeah, oh, what a waste of my time. On the, uh, I agree with you 100% on that. The only two female women characters in this show that get any sort of real justice is Carmela mm-hmm. and Adriana. Yep. And Adriana's storyline has been mm. steadily building for multiple seasons now. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm really happy the show did find so much for her to do because mm-hmm. I think you think about where she starts as like Chrissy's girlfriend, and it'd be so easy just to make her a joke or a side character or just like the the springboard to Chrissy's whinging about Tony, mm-hmm. and that would be her role. But instead, to make her this secret informant that's struggling with the pressure of the FBI using her to get information, the relationship, the impact that has on her and Chris's relationship, the impact that the the potential danger that puts her in and the mm. ultimate resolution of that mm. is about as well as execute a journey and arc of any storyline that's ever happened in The Sopranos up to this point, I feel. Agreed. 100% agree with you there. I think the build-up was, was really good. And the tension build-up was not the tension that I expected it to be. I think when you have a story of an informant, it's like, you know, she's wearing a wire and you are stressed that she's going to be caught. And while there's always an element of like, oh, you're stressed that she's going to be caught, the real build of tension was like her declining health. Yes. Like, yeah. And the, the misery that she was forced to live with yeah. for so long, which makes her such an empathetic an interesting character. Like you really feel, I think this is the only character that I really feel for in this yeah. show. She's so sympathetic. Um, you also see the misery of the relationship that she sits in with Chris because while you, like she is simply a sounding board for him. Like I think almost every scene with the two of them is her sitting on that couch and him pacing back and forth, like screaming at her about Tony. Yeah. And she doesn't have that much to say. And then on the opposite side of that, we have the growing intimacy between her and Tony, mm-hmm. who on the flip side listens to her problems um, and she really needs that solace. We also have great moments with her and the other women and like she yeah. is a part of this community and she does care about these people and she is afraid to betray them. Um and she has the weight of that guilt on her. So all of it's so much more like emotional that then results in the physical um, of that stress in her. And then to have such a tragic moment at the end when you see her driving in the car with oh. her suitcase next to her being like, oh, if she had just left. Yeah. Um, but the tragedy of Adriana is like she could never leave Christopher. She loved him so much. Mm. Um, and then we cut to... Still driving her, and you know what's going to happen, and she's Fuck. crying, and it's just horrific. And I was like, "Oh God, it's it's just horrific to watch that is, that car drive." But but earned in its tragedy, and yes, like, yes. there is only so many ways this story can end, and mm-hmm. that it teases you with the 
the best possible option mm. and then takes it away from you adds yep. to the distress but mm. it's um that whole that whole episode where okay the only the only real criticism i have on the way this resolves is that the crime they get her involved with that involves characters we've never seen before gives mm. me the utter shits she's <laughs> surrounded by criminals that we yeah. are aware of any mm. one of them could have been involved in a way that would have been more satisfying than Literal people we've never seen before murdering mm-hmm. or killing another guy in her office and her being a part of covering that. It literally anything else. Mm-hmm. But instead, that's whatever. Okay, whatever. It gets to the point that we need to be, though. And yeah, the begging to, you know, to, to you bring Chris and Rune, trying to bargain that they can go into witness protection, mm-hmm. feeling like that's a real possibility because Chris has so much beef with Tony at the moment because he feels on the outer because Tony B has come in and sort of taken that role. The mm-hmm. the weird, like, ongoing childhood uh, teasing that goes on between those three men towards Tony, Tony and Tony B and how they sort of... He like I loved Christopher's explanation about how when they were kids he idolized those older boys, mm. and when they it was just him and Tony, you know he would teach him all these great things. But with the moment Tony B was there, he became the butt of the jokes, and that's still something that burns inside him. Yeah. And so Adriana thinks that he she can use that to get them both to safety and get out of this, and he can go and do his screenwriting. And then that yeah. moment where. Chris sees that other family on the that you know yeah. are living out of their car and realizes this is not the life that he wants. And yeah, I think like as soon as oh, he <laughs> as soon as he decides to leave that apartment, yeah, I was just like, well, That's as soon it. as he gets out of that room, he's gonna be like, no, I don't want, I don't want to give up everything that I've been yeah. building and yeah. the relationships I have. Like, yeah, and then like I don't think we needed the symbolism of that family in the car. Um, I think like as soon as he was out there and just like standing next to his Hummer and stuff, I was like, he there's no he could never he could he could never leave Tony. That that is to go off track for a second because uh, let let's finish this. So I'm gonna come back to that 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 over over the top symbolism, right? Mm. But follow through with this. Then yes, the getting the phone call from Tony about Chris having attempted suicide mm. and knowing that was a setup and yeah. knowing that. Ah, oh, fuck, man. It was just like watching a car in slow motion. And something I appreciate as well, as horrific as her death was, I'm glad it wasn't overly violent. I'm glad yes. it wasn't, you know, sexual abuse in any nature or something like that. Mm-hmm. Because the character didn't deserve anything like that. No. Um, it it just hits to the reality of this situation that these these people will kill you know, people they're close with if that's what yeah. needs to be done to protect the capital F family. And mm-hmm. it was the tragic ending that was always coming ultimately. And it was yeah. so with that. It undoubtedly for me, the best episode the show's ever had. More yeah, than I, Pine I, Barrens. I Pine Barrens is a fun episode. I like I understand why people love that. For this for me was like the show hitting it out of the park on a dramatic level that I wish it would do way more often because I think it has the capacity it proved it has the capacity to do it and mm-hmm. it frustrates me it hasn't done it this well before. Yeah. I think it was certainly the most tragic episode for me. Um and it yeah, I think it was one of pro- probably maybe the only episode perhaps that left me affected. Yeah. I was like, fuck. Like yeah, it's it's a slow moving tragedy. Yeah. Um 
but it is effective in its resolution. And it works because they invested so much time in Adriana. Yes. Um, yeah. No, it was it was excellent stuff. Coming back to the symbolism, that over-the-top symbolism you're talking about, that we didn't need to see Chris seeing that other family, right? Mm. I think that's a problem the show has in general. Yeah. Is sometimes it is extremely on the nose when it doesn't need to be. And mm-hmm. that's I've talked about in the past where the show has frustrated me with its ADR stuff. There's mm. an in the final episode, there's a scene where uh, Chris is in hiding and Tony comes to visit, and he's sort of going around talking to all of his lieutenants and generals and like anyone who he might bounce advice off or just sort of try and figure out what he's going to do with Tony B. And he mm. goes to Chris, and he goes, "We never had a chance to talk." And then when their backs are turned, they're going to sit down. It, the ADR line is in detail about the Adriana thing or whatever, right? I'm like, mm. no, 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 no. When you said we haven't had a chance to talk, I knew what you meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't need to spell out in detail about Adriana because that is not how what they would say in that situation. You only said that to make sure that I was keeping up. Mm-hmm. And it frustrates me sometimes the show treats the audience like that. Mm. I, it. Maybe it's just a sign of the times. It's a symptom of the time we were living in that they didn't trust from week to week that people would be able to keep up with that stuff. But that's just a tiny example of what the show does all the time. It just mm-hmm. overly spells out stuff that doesn't need spelling out, I think. With that in yeah. mind, what did you think of the te- the dream episode, the test dream? Um, well, that was episode 11? 11, yeah. Third yeah. last episode. <clears throat> um. I think I was I was kind of tuning out a little bit. Um, I think maybe around episode ten, and mm. then eleven started, and I was like, okay, normal episode. And then obviously that uh, sex worker comes over, and then he wakes up from his from sleep, but obviously he's not. And then I was like, oh, this is something different. Actually, yeah. I'm happy just to kind of sit and watch what we're doing here. I mean, it's symbolism on symbolism on symbolism, but that's obviously <laughs> what a dream is. Sure. And so I was kind of just enjoying that. I was enjoying how they chose to represent things. The dinner party with Annette Benning felt yeah. so dreamlike. Like yeah. the going around Carmella and tapping her on the shoulder, even though f- that is physically impossible to be doing. I really enjoyed the way that was done. Yeah. When he brings out the gun to shoot the coach. I was like, when he goes to shoot it, the gun better fall apart and then he can't pick up the pieces because that absolutely happens in dreams. That's what happened. I was honestly, I was just kind of enjoying what they were doing with the dream. What about you? No, I agree. I think it's not always the most subtle. It's also there are times where it's confusing the fuck out of me. Um, And that like, that's the nature of the dream. It's fun. And unlike other episodes, maybe what would make this a more fun episode to re-examine or to return to later. I just think what I appreciate about like that dream stuff is the show was able to have a bit of fun and do something different for mm-hmm. a while. Yeah. And it needed that a bit. I think its placing in the season was really good too, right before the finale. Yes. In, I was reading up on later what the function of the episode was. In a lot of ways, it was mostly just about getting Tony to put some pieces together in his head about mm-hmm. what needed to happen next that maybe hadn't been spelled out to him. And it yeah. was like just a bit of an internal monologue. But mostly I appreciated how it was bookended around the particularly the phone conversation with Carmella at the end mm. really sold it. That was one of the more uh, human and tender moments we've had between mm-hmm. those two in a long time. Um, and there was something very 
again, there were moments that were made Tony more relatable this season. And like an half asleep conversation on the phone with someone that you have a very close and intimate relationship with mm. did feel like the sort of stuff we just don't get with these characters very often. Yeah. And it was refreshing to have that moment. I was trying to figure out where the dream started for a while. When mm. his Guma gets set on fire at the start, and I had a suspicion because of the title of the episode it was going to be a dream, I was like, this is all part of the dream, right? It's like, no, that's re- that really happened. <laughs> really happened. That, that scene, I was happened. like, you know, that classic um, Anchorman thing, like, well, that escalated quickly. Like, <laughs> it was just like, what the fuck? Because at first her sleeve is on fire. And then... Her entire body's on fire. I was like, what the fuck? This this is a show, and this season exemplifies it a lot. This is one of my side notes. Is surrounded by weirdly violent and over-the-top accidents, right? Mm. Like, whether it's a kid who gets shot with an arrow in the backyard because they're playing with arrows. That's like a couple of seasons ago. It's Ralphie's mm. uh, kid, I think it is, or, or one of his stepkids. And then... Then there was off screen, one of this kid died, drowned in a jacuzzi. And then that car accident that Adriana and Tony, with, and Tony are in, which is mm. a really quite extreme accident if you think when about it. When it happened, I was like, whoa, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah. And then this woman who sets herself on fire just cooking a meal. Like, they, there are so many clumsy accidents like that that are really violent and extreme that mm. either kill people or severely injure people quite often in this show, more than mm. makes any real sense. <laughs> Purely people who are in a very violent career path that, exactly. that seemingly does not seem to affect them, but just these random accidents <laughs> seem to. Yeah. Kind of weird. It's like the most extreme version of like funniest home videos. Like what the fuck is going on in the community? Mm. <laughs> Um, I do want to talk about Tony B for a second in sense of what they did with that character, mm. particularly his episode, which I think is like the sensitive education, whatever it is. The one where he, he thinks he's going to set up this massage business mm. and everything seems to be going right for him in terms of going down the straight and narrow, which mm. I found just a compelling and refreshing idea because we don't really see people who are trying to not be criminals in this show. They're always... Trying to figure out how to get a leg up, either move up that ladder inside the family or, Mm. you know, make money on the side or whatever it is. He was trying something different. I've been there. I've been to jail. I just want to not do that. Mm. You know, how well can Tony respect that? How well can he function alongside this family in that way? That's compelling to me for whatever reason. That episode was really good right up until he just snaps and decides to not do it. And I never fully understood, apart from being very tired, Mm. what it was that made him go, actually... I don't want to do this anymore. I want to kill people and be paid to do it. Yeah. That switch never really worked for me. It could have, but it was not dramatized at all. It just goes, nah, don't want that anymore. Done. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about perhaps the only other time when someone tries to go down a different career path is Christopher with his screenwriting. Like, what is it? Season two or something? Season two, yeah. Yeah. The storyline um, with John Favreau, who gets brought up this season too. He does. He does. Um, so this idea of, you know, the made men trying to go out outside of the, f- the family and uh, build something else and then their what that life teaches them is ultimately what becomes their downfall. Um, but I – and it could have been much more compelling than what we get this season because like you yeah. said it is a moment um and it's a moment of exhaustion and obviously what they're trying to say is like 
going straight is fucking hard work and takes a lot and it's it is not the easy way out. It is the, the harder road to go down. Sure. But, yeah, it's just – it's too quick. It just so happens. It's gone in a flash. Yeah, yeah. No, I, it, I agree with that. It could have been dramatised over multiple episodes. He could have even set up the business and had problems. He could have had mm-hmm. Tony, like, offering to let me do something from inside your business and I'll make it worth your while. And he does that and it's way easier and, like, this dealing mm-hmm. with the, the Korean boss guy is too hard and he finally snaps. But instead it's just, like – He's painting and he gets shitty and he punches the guy and then mm. <laughs> it's over. We never yeah. – he's done with that whole yeah. venture. And I guess like it's signposts like what is to come later in which where there are moments where he snaps and does something really fucking stupid. Obviously, when he kills that guy's brother. But it, See, the I thing think is, that none moment would have – snapping. The, none of them are snapping. They are all pre – they are premeditated acts. They're never mm. like a random violent thing. He gets paid to do it and he goes, yeah, I want the money. Because I'm just not sure what motivates him, right? That's Wait, the no, thing no, that- no, 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 I'm no. I'm, when he kills the brother, he's a snap. He's not paid to do that. When he kills the brother. Because they've killed his friend from jail. Oh, right. Sorry. Yes. Mm. Yeah, that's true. But okay, but at least that, mo- that was motivated a bit better. Yeah. But I think like that could have been... If if that first scene where he snaps on the guy who is his co-partner in the massage place, if that had been done better, then that moment when he kills Phil's brother, yeah, I think would have been like, oh, okay, I understand why he did that. Whereas this so far, other than that one moment, Tony B had been like a pretty sensible guy. Um, you could see why, like, he was respected, mm-hmm. why people went to him for advice, all of that stuff. But then there are these kind of moments in the show that made me go, oh, what? like, why why, why did he do that? I mean, I understand why, but I just don't think it's totally justified in the way the story is told. What, what I always just struggled to figure out was what his motivation was, as I was sort of saying. It's like, it's sometimes we're talking about his sister who has disappeared or his, and his, his daughter. daughter. Daughter, sorry. And then he's got the twins. And like we have a couple of moments where he's frustrated by them because they're throwing shit in the pool or they're leaving a mess. But mm. I just never got the sense of how much that was really affecting him enough mm-hmm. to make him make these dramatic decisions to leave them behind completely. Mm. It, it, it just feels like a very rushed, slightly missed opportunity. Again, I appreciate what it meant. For Tony, I think it worked well enough to get to the places mm. that they needed Tony to get to and the decisions he had to make. And like that last episode where him not wanting to give up Tony B to Johnny Sachs and the effect that was having on his capital F family back in New Jersey mm. was a compelling, um, dramatic sort of conundrum for him. But yeah, Tony yeah. B just never really came together as yeah. well as he should have. I think we will rarely um, get these other characters that come in or the people that surround Tony as anything other than a function for Tony to make decisions. Yeah. Like that's kind of what they always are. And I think, I mean, we're coming into the last season will be is that we won't get all of the stuff we want from these characters who have the potential to be really, really interesting but ultimately, it, they're just a function of the plot. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note.
Some little details that I liked. In one of the early episodes, Tony suspects this guy, the guy who gave him the painting of the um, the Rat Pack, mm. of that he might be an informant with the FBI. And he goes to meet him to sort of suss him out and figure it out. And one of like, just the little detail I liked was the way he kept like goes for the hug and really like pats him down all the yeah. way. <laughs> and then he like touches him on his chest. He's like just really just feeling for that wire. I just mm. that it was it wasn't subtle, but he didn't yeah. say he was going to do it. I kind of just appreciated yeah. like figuring out what he I was like. Why is he? So, oh right, he's looking for the wire. That makes I also sense. just enjoyed like after that scene when he comes back to the the <laughs> office and he's like, "What am I, a fucking mind reader?" Like he, <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Yeah, how would you know?" <laughs> but then the giveaway for him wasn't the giveaway that that he, he said, said he'd, he'd lost, lost some weight. weight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they all kind of look at each other. Yeah, I did like that. Um, I love the bit where they're going. The they've got that film club and they get to the third one. The list is the Godfather father and all yeah. the women of like the <laughs> just around the mob and just roll their eyes like the fucking yeah. godfather uh there was a bit where i can't remember the guy's name but one of the the new york guys they're intimidating that woman and they shoot through the phone book at her mm. and it doesn't make it all the way through i think it says it made it through to the r's or whatever and i was yeah. like that's such an effective intimidation technique that'd be so fucking scary mm. um i yeah. really, really like that uh, what's different about you? Asked Tony, not realizing that AJ's eyebrows are gone. <laughs> and he just looked like a confused gorilla. Just like he knows there's something off about AJ's face, but he can't quite piece it together. <laughs> I thought it was a really, really fantastic moment. Um, some musings. Oh, yeah, I already talked about I'd love to see um, Artie and Tony as roommates as its own thing. Mm-hmm. So many funerals this season. Like, there's one episode that has like four alone. But they just well, feel yeah, like that's, every that's episode. just Junior's life at the moment. Yeah, that yeah. is Which I true. thought was a funny little thing, like him just going through the obituaries, looking for people that he might know. Yeah, I thought that was good. Actually, speaking of, we didn't really talk about Junior. He started to deteriorate last season. At mm. the very end, they, they suggested that that was going to become Legitimate. a real issue. And this yeah. season, they really follow through. Mm-hmm. Did you find that compelling enough they're really only focused on it for probably an episode yeah, or two i did actually i thought that was a really good element like i said earlier i think it was a good further step to kind of isolate tony to no longer have that support from someone who represents you know his dad and like the good old days i thought that was good i also thought it was you know just kind of sad to see this man towards the end of his life and certainly the end of his career um so isolated somewhat yeah lost both just like in his mind and then how he fits into the world around him no I I enjoyed what they're doing with Junior even though it's a little bit I thought what they do with him is really good I thought it was just enough that was also something I thought this is what I was talking about with the Janice thing I think there was Mm. just enough Janice and they used Janice in the most effective way they could from a dramatic point of view I understand it might not have been enough for you, but it was just enough for me. Same with Junior. I thought there was just enough Junior. It wasn't like, like last season, the Junior court case thing seemed to stretch out over the entire season. I mm. just wanted it to be a bit more interesting than let's find yeah. the one juror who we can blackmail into. Yeah. I think I wish they had done what they do with Junior with Janice. I think the problem with me is the, the one episode arc is what mm. bothers me. If it sure. had been that storyline sprinkled like they do with Junior, Sprinkled throughout, I think I would have liked it. Johnny Sachs is a character. I want your help with it. Mm. His, I, I really like his character. The word I keep coming to is, and I want a better word because I don't like this word, but Johnny Sachs is such a bitch. 
<laughs> is there a better word you can think of than that? Because he's so dramatic and so like diva-ish at times. Yeah. Yeah, he is a diva. That's true. I really, um, there's something about that Johnny Sachs. He's so unreasonable and ridiculous at times. I really quite enjoy well, him. Well, he's just, I mean, he he refuses to bend um, in this, I guess, the same way that Tony does. But I guess we only get the moments, we get Tony's perspective of Johnny Sachs, yeah. really. I mean, if someone had was doing that to Tony's people, he would probably be just as irrational and just as much like, fuck, you know, I'm going to get whatever the fuck I want to get. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he is kind of, while you expect perhaps Tony B to be a foil in the way that Ralph is and um, the other guy, kind of the pretty Richie, much same character. Richie, I think it was. Richie, yeah. yeah. Um, this, this season, it is Johnny Sachs and it is like, that irrational side of Tony being reflected back at him. And it's it's a fucking brick wall. Like you just kind of have to – he learns to adapt and kind of yield, which is what he needs to do to kind of save his own family, I guess. Um, that, but, yeah, no, Johnny Sachs is, is a fucking bitch. I really liked the ending of the show actually of this season with that conversation where Tony goes to meet Johnny. He first Tony he asks Tony to meet him in New York and he's like, I'm not a fucking idiot. Mm, <laughs> what yeah. do you say? I have an IQ of 136 that's being tested or something like that. Yeah. Um, which is a funny callback during the season as well. But the so he goes to meet him in his house and then they have that conversation and finally Johnny Sachs is like, I think I can make this work. Mm. And then they both just sort of talk about how hard it is being the boss. Mm. Which I appreciated that maybe Tony has someone he can. Maybe there is someone there he can talk to, and then immediately the FBI. <laughs> when he case. starts running, I was like, <laughs> "Is so he doing good. this as a joke? Like, what is it?" <laughs> did you see the? Did you see the guys coming over the hill? Because I saw in the background, I was like, "Holy shit, what's no, about to happen I didn't. here?" No, and I didn't then- see that at all. So I just see like Tony Soprano just bowls. I was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is going on?" Um, yeah, so it did make me go, "Huh?" If he just wasted. Like waited like a week, then he would have had to know. kill his cousin. I know, right? I'm if like, he just waited a little bit longer, but who yeah. knows what would have happened between now and then? And there's no way you could have predicted that either. Yeah. Um, anything could have happened. But I would. There is a there is a weird, tragic irony to that too. Yeah. Uh, Janice getting tackled by the cop in the in the. <laughs> I mean, I laughed out loud. Hilarious. Like, she's just like, like a really wild animal running around and they tackle it. Was really, really. No, funny. I enjoyed that. There were actually a number of lines like this season, but I think my favourite is Tony saying, like, it's like that saying, revenge is like serving cold cuts. Um, <laughs> that, was, that was genius. Uh, mm. Least favourite and favourite episodes. What were your least favourite episodes? Because apparently we're getting multiple here. Damascus. Okay. So, it is the the six, seven and eight. Correct. That's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I stopped taking notes. I was like, very little is happening. And it's always during that point in the season where I'm like, always. this show is not for me. <laughs> I fucking hate it. Everyone is so unlikable. Plus, I'm hanging out with like insufferable characters. Just, uh, yeah. If those episodes, I was like, just get rid of them. Why am I having to do this? Yeah, I hated it. See, episode six, Sentimental Education. Least favourite episode because of wasted potential. I actually kind of liked what they were doing with Tony B, telling this story of him trying to go straight and it not working out, but they just didn't do it justice. Episode 7, In Camelot, was a frustrating episode for me. Chrissy's storyline with his 
other addict friend who mm. ends up getting into a massive gambling debt. We've done before. We've done that, yes. Agreed. Why are we doing that again? The stuff with Junior going a bit stir-crazy was okay. And I thought the Tony and Johnny's mistress stuff was relatively good, particularly when he's talking with Melfi about that and he's coming to some conclusions about, like, the. he often blames his mother, but his dad mm. was also doing things that were pretty... Unfair to Lydia as well. Olivia, mm. Lydia, 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 Livia, I think. Livia, fuck, I'll always get that wrong. Um, but even then, he still blames her most of all. That was fine, not necessarily crucial. And then Marco Polo, I just took zero notes in episode eight. It's like <laughs> Tony's not coming to the party. Now he's coming to the party, and like I understand mm. this is like the first step towards getting Carmela and Tony back together. Mm. They sleep together at the end of the episode, etc. Yeah. Um, but. The majority of the episode was a big fat nothing. Well, like, well, that's the thing. Is like, there's always elements to episodes. I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is good, or like I'm at least kind of present with it. But there's surrounded by so much stuff that I just do not care about. That I'm yeah. like, just wipe them. Yeah. What's your favorite episode, Damascus? I've got so this is another series of three. Okay. Um, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Because that's when we get all our resolutions and our big, big moment. So in eleven, yeah, we get that kind of sickening feeling from the dream and obviously it's telling us that a a big decision is coming for Tony and mm-hmm. we he needs to be prepared for that and we know that it's going to be about Tony B. Um so I think that like building of tension is really good which then leads us into the tragedy of Adriana which is the most affecting thing to happen in Sopranos to date mm-hmm. um and so well executed and then obviously we have Tony realizing what has to happen with his cousin and the reckoning that has to happen within him to do that. Um, you know, I kind of just said, well, shit actually happens. <laughs> yeah. You know, we get resolution. We have progression, tension building, resolution, all that stuff. And, yeah, the, the it's always the way with this show. I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And then, you know, the finale happens and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. We got somewhere. That's good. Yeah. And, well, this is why I think this season was the most – well constructed though because I did feel Mm. like from beginning middle to end even with that dip in the middle it felt like a complete whole sort of thing whereas Mm -hmm. like I think about the resolution with some of the antagonists in previous seasons particularly with Ralphie and with Richie and with Richie Janice does it so Mm. that option's taken off the table Tony has to do anything at all he just has to help cover it off cover it up and then with Ralphie he does it in a moment of passion which obviously is reflecting on his uncontrollable anger and that's fine but what made this one more interesting was he really 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 had to struggle with himself to figure out what to do yeah and that was so much more compelling to me than just a fit of rage Mm -hmm. and while that's always been his character this him going and talking to Sylve. And even that moment with Paulie, I never thought that painting was going to come back again in any meaningful way. And then to have him walk in and go, what the fuck? And have that discussion about why Paulie's done what he's done and why he's painted him the way that he has and what that meant for Tony reflecting on his responsibility as a leader Mm. was like, oh my God, that was payoff. (laughs) This show is doing payoff again. This is... I agree. Mm. I'm going to give it to episode 12, though, specifically. While those three are all strong, mm. episode 12, it's, I just don't think the show's ever been more effective at pulling off that sort of drama mm-hmm. and and payoff is not necessarily the right word there, but like that tragic ending for Adriana has been coming for a long time and mm. executed perfectly. 
mm. perfectly. If this show was doing this more often, if it was doing one of these a season even, I'd probably be way, way higher on the season. But this, mm. to me, is the first time they've ever really, really done it this well. Yeah, agreed. Do you have any predictions, hopes, or concerns going forward? We've got technically one season. Some people consider it two seasons to go. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting now with the vacuum left from the you know new, this New York family mm-hmm. being eviscerated. So I think that could be a very interesting element. Is there another New York family that exists? Because there's never only one that will step in or is Tony going to have further opportunities to grow his business and to become even bigger? And mm-hmm. is that something that he's, he still wants? Um, I, I think it probably will be. Uh, in terms of the Carmela and Tony marriage, I think I hope we dive into Carmela existing in the marriage with more independence and what yep. that looks like and how how they both deal with that. I'd be interested to see. But beyond that, you don't really know with this show because literally nothing could happen. So- literally nothing could happen or they can just introduce a new character and go, this person's important. Let's focus yes. the season around that. And it's hard to Tony know. Tony has to deal with this guy. Yeah. 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 And that's that's tend to be the, <laughs> the pattern of this show, I guess. Mm. Um, oh, uh, sorry. I'd also like to see um, – Chris have a real um, reckoning with what happened with Adriana because obviously there is enough time to deal with that and it's just kind of like she was an informant, she's a fucking bitch, don't worry about it. But to really see how that is going to travel through Chris's mind yeah, yeah next season. I agree. I I am quite impressed ultimately where how, how they or where they've gotten Christopher to in this show. Mm-hmm. Um. It's been a rocky ride. Sometimes he's more important than he's not. Sometimes it feels like detours, like with his drug addiction stuff. But overall, I think where the character is placed right now, he's one of the more fascinating, potentially volatile, unpredictable characters left in the show. I just yeah. don't know where he's going to go next. I felt like Paulie was going to be set for that at the moment. He feels quite neutered right now. Mm-hmm. Christopher could have a really interesting end to his storyline, I feel like. Mm. Um, I agree with you about Tony and Carmelo completely. I agree with you about the New York family power vacuum that's potentially there that could have interesting repercussions on the Jersey family. The one thing I'm interested in, did you notice this setup with the grenade? Yes. (laughs) With the bear. Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah, the bear, and then we see them open this gun case that we've never seen before, I don't think, and there's a Mm -hmm. specific close-up on the grenade. I'm like, wow, I wonder if that's going to come back. And then later in the season, Carmela goes to get a gun out of there and she puts it under the pillow. And when she goes to open the case, I'm pretty sure the grenade wasn't there. Mm. It would surprise me if AJ took it. That's what I was wondering. Does AJ have it? This Surely this is a Chekhov's gun situation. What's the deal with that grenade? I don't think it's the gun cabinet. I think it's specifically the grenade is being set up to do something. Mm. And I hope they can do it better than what Breaking Bad did with the machine gun in the boot in the start of this last season of Breaking Bad. Because I feel like it's one of those scenarios where like, oh, we're going to bring this back into play later. I hope you remember this detail because it's going to be important, maybe. Mm. We'll see. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, a.k.a. at Shawnee Boy Draws. Our theme song and bumpers are from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. 
You can find me on Twitter at Maskymo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Next episode, we'll be back to discuss Invincible Season 1. I haven't started this yet because I've been having to psych myself up for The Sopranos, but I'm looking forward to watching it. Mm. Is it eight episodes? Yes, I believe so. This show for me is the anti-Sopranos. I watched it, fucking loved it, and then I told you that we should do it for the show. Like, there was no hesitation here. I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm so I'm looking forward, forward to, to everyone listening. Please check out Invincible, um, whether you like yes. superheroes or not. I just think it's a it's a good show. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to chatting to you, Brad, about it. That is on Amazon, yes. Yes, Amazon Prime. Yep, correct. And we'll get back to the Sopranos for the last <laughs> season, split in two parts, whatever, relatively soon. Hopefully yes. in the coming weeks. Let's just get it out of the way. <laughs> and then we're, we're get, done we're with completed close. Sopranos. Well, I'm kind of looking forward to next season, I think, is like 12 episodes. And the final season's like nine, or the final half of the season's like nine episodes or something mm-hmm. like that. It's like comparatively short. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so maybe you'll be a little bit easy to get to. Just a oh, tidy man. nine hours, yeah. Boy, we make it sound like such a fucking hard time. <laughs> and we've mostly like had a lot of positive things to say about this season, but it definitely mm. just isn't our show. <laughs> no. And that's say. okay. Everybody's different. Exactly. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.